him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for many who are listening from different parts of the world. Thank you for this word of power. Thank you for insight. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for the thing that you're speaking and you're saying to your people at this time. Father, thank you for revelation. Thank you so much, O oh Lord my God, as you continue to reposition us in the spirit so that we can lay hold on everything that you've ordained for us. Father, I pray, O oh Lord my God, that no be distracted today. I take authority over the spirit of distraction in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that none will be distracted, Father, and help your people to be able to concentrate and to be focused even as the word of God is going out in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, Father, that this, this word that they will be hearing, that they will run with it. None will be a forgetful hearer, but they will be doers of the work. And thank you for the testimonies that will manifest in their lives. And thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory, honor, and adoration, Lord. In Jesus' name we prayed. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'll continue again in looking at fulfilling the kingdom mandate, developing your relationship with God. Fulfilling the kingdom mandate and how to develop your relationship with God. Uh, last week, we were, looking at, uh, we were looking at three levels of relationship. I remember I mentioned to us that relationship is the currency of the spirit. Relationship is the currency of the spirit. Your relationship will determine your access. And your access will determine your daily provisions. You know, provision is not just limited to bread. It's not limited to finances. It's all-encompassing. When Jesus prayed or taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6, as recorded by Matthew in chapter 6 and recorded by Luke in chapter 11, say, when you pray, pray in this manner, that our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then verse 11, and say, give us this day our daily bread. The word bread there is not just limited to provision. It's limited, it's, it's all-encompassing. It involves everything you need to make a success of your day. The direction you need, the counsel you need, the, you know, not, not walking in darkness, having the light, having direction. Everything you need to make a success of your day. So, that is what relationship does for you. He said, our father. We have taught on that. I've looked at that. That when you have a relationship, relationship will grant you access to presence. And with that, you have what? Access to provision. What you need. The direction. To, you will not walk in darkness because of the relationship you have with him who is the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and they that follow me We'll not walk in darkness, but they'll have what? The light of life. So that's why we've been talking about relationship. is the currency of the spirit. And today we want to look at how to develop your relationship with God. It's not just enough to be born again. It's not just enough to say, now I'm born again. That's the end of it. It's not just enough to say, this is the way I am. 
God loves you the way you are, but he does not want you to remain the way you are. Amen. God loves you the way you are. You've, you, all of us, we came into the kingdom with different, you know, di- different baggages and the rest of it like that. And God is saying you can't continue like this. Say, that's the way I am. Yes, we know that's the way you are. But God says, I want to, I want to do a fresh walk in your life. The way you are will not take you far. The way you are will not enable you to possess everything that God has planned for you. That is why he's working in us, working with us, and working so that God can eventually walk through us. Amen. Praise God. Last week, we were looking at three levels of relationship. I can't go into details because of time. We looked at the, you know, the first level, discipleship. He called, the, the, the disciple, he called them disciples in Matthew chapter number 10 from verse number 1. They were disciples. But by the time you go further, you know, they've grown in their relationship with him. Matthew chapter 10, they were called disciples. He called them disciples. So what is discipleship? I explained it last week. You know, discipleship is taking on the teaching of another who is your mentor. You are taking on the teaching. You are following in line. You are, you know, it's becoming your lifestyle. It's not just something you hear and you forget. You know, you take it on. You imbibe it. It becomes your lifestyle. You, you, when you, you know, you're thinking about it so that you can implement into your life. And then we spoke about partnership. Partnership is, you know, uh, I showed you where it started with David in the Bible. But in the New Testament, you find Paul and other writers talking about, the, the, you know, the church or believers being co-laborers with God. That we are co-laborers with him. That we are working together with him to accomplish his purpose. That is what partnership is all about. We are being co-laborers. But that's not the best. I take you to what exactly that that wonderful place, that, that higher level of relationship, which is friendship with God. And you know, the, Jesus eventually called the disciples his friends. He didn't do that at the beginning, but by the time you get to John chapter 15, verse number 14, he now said to them, he said, I, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Then in verse 15, I love this verse 15. I say, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that heart from my father I've made known to you. He said, no longer do I call you servants. That means that there was a time he was calling their servants. There was a time he could not share all those things with them. Because they were not ready for it. Amen. They were not ready for it. Just like a little child. You love the child. That child that God has just given you. That boy, that girl. You love that child. But there's some level of food. There's something you can't give the child yet. You know, a child of three months, you can't be feeding the child with solid food. You can't give the child bread at that time. You can't give the child, you know, what will the child be taking? Only milk. My time will come. When that child will have grown. When that child will have matured, and the child can take solid food. So at this time, the disciples have grown in their work with God. He said, no longer do I call you servants. You are no longer servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my father have made known to you. 
That's the highest level of relationship with God. Friendship with God. I believe God wants us to be his friends. He wants us to grow in our relationship so that nothing will be hidden between us and him. So that he will make known to us the thing that is just in his heart. Amen. And that is what this message is all about. How do we develop that relationship that we can become his friends? And I want to take us to John chapter 15, starting from verse number 1. John chapter 15, from verse number 1. And I'll be looking at three key elements. Three key, I mean, seven key elements in developing your relationship. Seven key elements in developing your relationship. John chapter 15, from verse number 1. It reads, and I quote, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. At this time, what exactly is happening here? Jesus was running up his ministry. He was on the way to the cross. Chapters 15, 16, 14, 15, 16. He was talking to them about the Holy Spirit. The one that he would send to them. By the time he's gone. By the time he will have departed planet earth that he will be leaving, he will be sending the Holy Spirit to be with them. And then 17 was talking about unity and then sharing with them these prayers, praying for them. And then verse 18 was when he was arrested. And 19 was when he died on the cross. 20 was when he rose from the dead. And of course, you know, those are the records and accounts of John. So these were very pivotal moments of his ministry. These were times that I was having serious discourse with the disciples. It, it, we can term these to be the last words that he was sharing with them. You know, he had been working with them. They've been working with him for about, you know, three and a half years. But at this time, this was a very critical moment, pivotal moment. And it was not like laying everything bare for them to prepare them for his eventual departure. He now said, I am the true vine, meaning that, look, I am the true vine. They are false vines. Because by saying I'm the true vine, it was also letting them know they are false vines. He said, but I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. What does that mean? The New Living Translation makes it even clearer. New Living Translation. If you can go there, if you have the New Living Translation, I'll read it from there. Say, I am the true grapevine. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Praise God. Hallelujah. What does that mean? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I want us to know this, that the New Testament relationship is a covenant relationship between the father and the son. This is the foundation to building our relationship with God in this dispensation. It is a covenant relationship between the Father and the Son. I am the true vine, the Son, and then my Father is the one watching over everything. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament was a relationship between God and Israel. And Israel could not keep that relationship. They broke it many times. The power to keep the relationship they did not have. They were unreliable partners in the relationship. The relationship broke down many times. 
God, you know, because of that, they went into captivity many times. Because idolatry, they were focused on some, they were not, their eyes were not on the God who had called them, the one who got them out of Egypt, the one who saved them. They became distracted by what other people were doing around them, what the other nations were doing. They followed all their gods. They were started acting like them. And God many times described them as even committing adultery in their work with them. So the relationship broke down a lot of time. So in the New Testament, God now said, no, you know, I'm changing this thing right now. That in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, is going to be a relationship between myself and the Son. Because with that, it will be an unbreakable relationship. Because the power to keep the covenant is available to the two of them. Relationship between the Father and the Son. Somebody said, then where do I come in? Where do I fit in? No, that when you come through the Son, you become a beneficiary of that relationship. Between the Father and the Son, an unbreakable relationship, a covenant relationship. And that is why up to that relationship remains solid, unbreakable. And what is the implication of that? That his word to us, his word is unfailing. His promises are unshaking because they are words of transaction between the father and the son. They can't deny themselves. The son cannot just walk away. They are totally committed and the power to keep that covenant is available to the two of them. So when you and I come through the son, they will become a partaker become a beneficiary to the relationship between the father and his son. And the word that the father is sharing with the son, when we receive those words, when we run with those words, when we become a partaker of those words, then that word becomes a reality in our lives. In a word that cannot be, his promises are so sure because the son and the father are in covenant together. The son is the guarantee of that particular relationship. So all our own places to just come in and be a partaker through the son so that we can become a beneficiary of the relationship. Israel and God could not, the Israel could not maintain the relationship, but thank God for the son. Amen. That is the dispensation of a new covenant. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. My father is the one watching over it. My father is the one ensuring everything is, is the one at work in us to will and to do. Praise God because of his relationship with who? The son. Number two, remember, seven vital components of these, of building your relationship with God, with God. Realize this, that this is not just, oh, it's far, far bigger than just you and the Father. This is between the Father and the Son. And you being connected to the Son, you're a beneficiary. God will not break his word to the Son, and his, the Son will not break his word to the Father. But when you line up, amen, you receive grace from the Son, and you can be a partaker of what the Father is doing through the Son. Amen. Meaning you are not just alone. 
It's not just something you are trying to feel your way through. Sometimes I hear people say it's so hard. No, it's because of lack of grace from the sun. But when you line up with the sun, when you align with the sun, you become a particle. Number two, if you want to develop your relationship with God or with the Father, be ready and be willing to receive his pruning. Verse number two, he says what? Verse number two, he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He cuts off every branch that does not produce fruit. You know, if you just look at it on the surface, you think, oh, he just cuts them off, just, just throw them away. No, what he does is that he will cut them and he will start to now put them in a place where they can receive more nourishment so that eventually they can start to produce. But the one that is producing, what does he do? He prunes them. He prunes them. He takes them through a, what is called pruning or a process of cutting off you know, those excesses, those things that are weighing them down, hindering them from really, really walking or progressing in their walk with God. The picture I have in my heart is a picture of an athlete. That is going for a major race. You know, when they come to the stadium, they, they will come in there in their, in their track suit. Uh, and if you are representing a nation or a state or a particular place, they'll come in, you know, with their track suit and uh, you find everything. They, they, they're getting ready. You know, some of them will come in with, uh, uh, come in with their earphones. They are listening to me. They're, they're getting ready. But by the time they, they're about to go into the race, you know what happens? They will start to remove. They will remove the earphones. They will remove the, uh, they will remove the track suit. They will remove everything that will hinder them from running swiftly or hinder them from being able to be effective in that race. They remove it. So the father also does the same thing. He will start to prune. He will start to prune. He will start to prune. Start to prune because those things without pruning, those things will hinder you. And you know who you are. Some of us have come with, with fierce anger. We get angry easily. And you say, hey, if you continue like this, you can't keep relationship. You're going to do more damage than good. And he says, no, you need to be pruned in that area. Some of us come, you know, with different things. Some of us like to talk, you know, before you see something, you're talking. He said, no, you're going to cause more damage than good. If you can't learn to just withhold your tongue. If you can't learn to not just talk anyhow. And say, no, I need to cut that off. And he wants to cut it off. He wants to cut it off. If you want to, I'm talking about if you want to develop it. If you want to remain in kindergarten class, then you say, no, I want to keep my anger. It's not going to trouble you. You say, okay, you can keep it. Or I want to keep my, the way I am. That's the way I am. Yes, that's the way you are. But he does not want to leave you the way you are. Some of us, why have some people not been joining the 5 a.m.? Because they love to sleep. They love to sleep. So, oh, and they set the alarm. The alarm rings quarter to five. The alarm rings. You put it on snoozing. You, 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 you snooze it. And then you, you, you turn again. You know, the alarm rings five minutes to five. You snooze it again. And then, oh, and then you finally, you are now waking up at 6.30 or quarter to seven. So, oh, I missed out again today. And the same thing happens again tomorrow. And you want to 
Enjoy the best of God. He said, Lord, move. No, it doesn't work like that. That is an area that God wants to prune. God wants to prune that sleeping. Amen. Because a little sleep and a little word, slumber. A little folding of the arms to sleep, so shall poverty come upon you like an armed man. Amen. You don't want poverty to jump on you like an armed man. You don't want that. So that is why you need to make adjustments. Praise God. Hallelujah. Make adjustments. If you truly desire to be part of it, God will grant you the grace to be part of it. God will grant you the grace to be part of it. When I hear people say, oh, give one excuse or the other, you know, it, it's so clear to me that, that that desire is not there. Because when the desire is there, I'm telling you, God grants the grace. Because God searches the heart. He knows where you are and what your heart is. And he, he, and he doesn't want to force himself on you. So he wants to what? When you are willing, he prunes you. Just like we are training a child. You are pruning a child. He prunes you. He removes those things that are like excesses that will hinder you from making the progress that you desire. I just mentioned some. You can, you can go. You know where your own thing is. You know the area where you need to be pruned. You know that thing that is hindering you. You know that thing that seems to be pulling you back. When you want to take huge steps forward, it seems to pull you back again. You go back. You say, no, I don't want this. And then you, no, no. Ask him to prune you. Ask him to prune you. I want you to pray just at this moment. I said, dear Lord Jesus, go ahead. And start to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite you. As many as are desirous of this huge step in their relationship. As many as are saying, oh Lord, I want to go to the next level. As many as are saying, Father, I want more. I'm not satisfied with the way I am. I've heard the word from your servant to say this is a birthing time. A time to give birth. And I believe that since you want to give birth through my life and in my life. Father, I pray right now, oh Lord my God, that anything that is holding me back. And if you know whatever is holding you back, mention that thing. Whatever is holding you back meant that this thing will no longer hold me back. It will not hinder me. It will not stop me. Oh, Lord, my God, I'm asking you, prune me. Help me. Oh, Lord, my God, by your grace, walk in me. Walk in me to will. Walk in me to do. Of your own good pleasure. Reposition me in the spring. Enable me. Empower me. Enlighten me. So that I can become everything that you have ordained for me. I will not miss out on anything. In the name of Jesus. I need your grace at this time. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. In Jesus name. Pray for yourself. In the name of Jesus. Pray for yourself. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you adoration. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Number three, in the kingdom of God, relationship, in the kingdom of God, relationship involves yielding. In the kingdom, or in kingdom relationship, yielding to the Father is very vital. I just spoke about pruning. Look at verse number three. Verse number three. Maybe you should go to verse number, uh, yes. Verse number three. 
Let's go to New King James, verse number three and four. I want to read three and four. It says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Then verse four now says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does the word abide mean? What does the word abide mean? If you're to be in church, I would have been asking a few of us, what does it mean? But still, I want to ask you, you know, wherever you are watching from, maybe you are watching from Melbourne or Sydney or Bendigo or, you know, Africa, wherever you are from, or the Middle East, what does the word abide? Answer that question. What does it mean to abide? Does it mean to, what does it mean to abide? Does it mean partial contact? Does, does it mean to just, uh, what does it mean? What does the word abide mean? Hello, somebody. What does it mean? The word abide means what? <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit. The word abide means to remain. It said to remain. Let's read it in New Living Translation. And I also read verse 4 in the TPT. In New Living Translation, it remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in me. Did you see that? That when you remain in me, I will remain in you. That means that if you truly desire me, stay with me. Stay with me, and I will stay with you. To abide means to remain. To abide means to stay. And to abide means to continue. To abide means to what? To, to, to continue to be persistent, to stay there. Say, so remain in me, and I will remain in you. Let me read it to you in the New Living, in, in the TPT, the Passion Translation. So you must remain in life union with me. Meaning that when you remain, life is given to you, empowered. The life of Christ flows into you. The grace of God flows into you. When you remain, say, you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as, branch, for as a branch severe from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Did you hear that? So, so you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with me. Saying that the, the challenge is not me now. That if you are willing to stay, I will stay with you. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. You know, I'm always willing to draw nigh to you. But I'm waiting for you to draw nigh. I'm waiting for you to remain. I'm waiting for you not just to come occasionally and disappear. No, that when you remain, when you stay, when you are consistent, that I will remain with you. Praise the name of the Lord. Somebody say, you know, God understands. Sometimes we may remain and then go away for another one month and then come back. He's a father, you understand? Absolutely agree with you. But, you, but this relationship will not be developed. It's like somebody entering school and then remaining in kindergarten for five years. You know, remaining in kindergarten. <clears throat> Praise the name of the Lord. 
Somebody said, but can you do that? The school will ask the person to leave. Yes, the school might ask you to leave, but in God, because he's a father, he's not going to ask you to leave. But you remain in kindergarten. The relationship will not be developed. It won't develop. It won't grow. It won't mature. It won't mature. It, will, it does understand. God is very understanding, but he does not want you. He won't break his word for you. You won't have his best. You will enjoy the thing that he has ordained for you. I pray for you because and I, my, my prayer for you is this, that when you eventually return back to him, you will not see a lot of things that he has prepared for you. You say, what? Did you, did you, did, was that in your plan for me? Say, yes. I plan for you to do this. I plan for you to, I plan for you. You say, what? What? And you've lived totally far away from what God ordained for you. I pray that that will not be your Lord in Jesus' name. That is why we're talking about developing our relationship. He says, remain. He said, you must, meaning that in this case, when it's a matter of, it's not just a matter of choice, it's a matter of, and you'll see it later, you must remain in life union with me. For I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine, will not bear fruit. Is it possible for a brand that has been cut off to also be bearing fruit? It's very, very difficult, if not impossible. The moment it is severed from the vine, it cannot be fruitful apart from being connected to the vine. Say, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. How does that translate into day-to-day life living? Simply means in your decision making. Simply means that in your choices, when you know you reach the crossroad, that what should I do? In the choices you make, in the decisions you make, in the things that you do, who takes priority? Who takes priority? Remember how he started. He said, "I'm the true vine." By saying that, it simply means there are false vines. That that means don't build your life on falsehood. Don't build your life on things that does not matter or will not matter at the end. Don't do that. Say, remain in me and I will remain in you. I will remain in you. He's also talking about don't start strong. You know, I've seen it again and again in Christendom. People start with fire. They start. I remember many, many years ago. That's why sometimes I'm not moved by a lot of, you know, many years ago, we were having an outreach. And, you know, after the message was preached, this lady came out and we said, the call was made for those who would like to give their life to Christ. And when the call was made, this lady did not just, she didn't walk. So many, many people would just walk to the front, you know, with sobriety. She ran. She ran, she ran, oh, and everybody said, wow, the world has penetrated very deep. Wow, she's really, really, and you pray, we pray with her, she prayed, oh, she cried, oh, she did everything. And I was one of those that, you know, the, the week before the, the next fellowship meeting, she was contacted. I also contacted her myself, and then said, oh, well, uh, when, when, when do you say is the meeting again? Uh, she said, oh, at the same time, oh, it's a bit challenging. Oh, it's a bit. then what happened to the running? 
What happened to the crime? What happened to the display that took place in front of everybody? No, she did, she took a step, but she did not remain. She did not remain. And it says that if you're not going to remain, then, you know, you're not going to be fruitful. What happened to the fire when you gave your heart to Jesus? What happened to the time when you, when you used to go on fasting? You declare fasting yourself. What happened to it? What happened to that fire in your bones? What happened to that zeal in your life? What happened? What happened to it? When you are filled with fire, when you are full of fire for the kingdom, what happened when you are willing to make all the sacrifices? Do you know that some of the things you later enjoy in life, those things were produced by the sacrifice you made earlier on? And whatsoever got you to where you are now is what will be able to sustain you there. Now that some prosperity has come, now that some blessings has been given, oh, wow. Ah, you know, it's not easy to fast now. It's not easy to fast. It's not easy to wait on God now. You know, God understands. In those days, in those days, when, when, when we're back in, when we're back in, and you mentioned the country, when we're back there, you know, it's easier. But now, look at food everywhere. You know, you go to Woolworth, you turn around, it's biscuit here. You go, you turn, it's roti there. You go in front of your name, it's chicken there. You go at the back, yeah, it's, 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 you know, all of it is just flowing. It's very difficult now. Ah, remain in me, says the Lord, and I will remain in you. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire die. Yes, those things that produce some of those things, those things that produce that fire is the same thing that will maintain you and in fact take you to the next level. Take you to the next level. So he's saying here, he said, abide in me and I will abide in you. That in your decisions and in your choices, the more you take a decision for him, the more the fire grows. The more your, your choices are determined by his choices, the more you, you are strengthening in your work with him. The more the, the relationship develops, the more the father is nodding and saying, yeah, that's my beloved son. Like what he said to Jesus, that's my beloved son. In whom I'm what? Well, please. Verse number four. In this relationship, without him, you can do nothing. He didn't say that without him, you may be able to, uh, yes, to try a little bit. He said, without him, you can do nothing. Verse number five. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, it will be very difficult to. Is that what he said? He said, you can do nothing. What does that mean? It's not that you will not make some effort, but it will not have a lasting fruit. It's not that you will not start off because somebody say, well, it doesn't matter. I think I can see. Yes, you can still try. The Bible says unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor to build it, they build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the house, the watchman watches over it in vain. Have you noticed that, you know, with the best of intentions and everything like that, those who have received the vaccine are still contacting COVID-19? 
And they are, oh yes, they are still contacting. Haven't you heard that sometimes those who have died from this infection, they say they've been double vaccinated. That's why I keep on telling people, you know, I, I, I'm not saying don't take the vaccine. That's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, your trust must be in God. Our trust must be in God because it is God that watches over. It is God that is keeping. It is God that is, it is, it is him. Your trust must be in him, especially if you're a believer. Yes, if you say, yes, by the time I take the COVID-19, I'm totally, I'm a COVID vaccine. I'm totally protected from COVID-19. Who told you that? There are people who took the vaccine, took the double jab, you know, and then, and then they've still been contracting it. So that is why our trust is in him. And don't forget, before the vaccine was discovered, made available, the Lord led us, the Lord spoke to us, that they, that word, that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. And what will happen? They that dwell in the secret place shall abide. Remember the word abide. They dwell in the secret place and they abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord is my what? Is my refuge, my fortress. In him will I trust. And then surely it will deliver me. So abiding is something. Declaring is another thing. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. In him will I what? Trust. And then surely. The word surely means certainly. Not just whether it works or not. He says surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. And from every noisome pestilence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will deliver me. He will cover me with his feathers. Under his wings I will take refuge. That means that when your trust is in him. Every day when you are stepping and you are stepping into the eternal refuge of God. Into the eternal refuge where there is protection where there's what, where the blood is covering you, where the angels are surrounding you. And I'm telling you something, COVID-19 cannot cross the bloodline. Cannot cross the bloodline. Cannot cross the bloodline. The name of, that is why our trust must be in him. Our trust, that is the foundation because without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Let's listen to Jesus. John chapter 5, verse number 19. John chapter 5. Let's listen, let's hear directly from the master. John 5, 19. And I'm telling you, it's wiser than all of us combined together. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly. <laughs> Jesus answered and he said, most assuredly. Or we can say, certainly and certainly. Or verily and verily. It's called double assurance. I'm, this is, you can go to the bank with it. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son, the son, capital son, can do what? Can do what? But what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. If the son, the first begotten from the dead, will not be able to do anything without the father, how much more you and I? For the son can do nothing of himself for what he sees the father do. But whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Verse number 20. Look at this. There's a clue there. For the father loves what? Because the son is obeying the father. The son is working with the father. 
The son is listening to the father. The son is being directed by the father. He said the father loves the son and he shows him what? All things that he himself does. And then we show him what? Greater works than these that you may marvel. 21. For as the father raises the dead, that means that whatsoever that seems dead, whatsoever that looks dead, and that as long as it's connected to the light that is coming from the son, said it will be raised by the father. That's a, it's exactly what happened to Abraham and Sarah. His body was dead, and the deadness of Sarah's womb was thank God for the life that came from the word that was given. Amen. That is why I want to declare to you, I, want to, I hope you are hearing me very clearly, that there's no situation that is hopeless. There's no situation, oh, you don't know my, you don't know the diagnosis. Oh, you don't know this, you don't know that. I may not know it truly, you know, but God knows. Jehovah knows and Jehovah sees. And Jehovah is saying to you that as, as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he what? He wills. Who is that one that he wills? The one that is connected to the son. Hallelujah. And then verse number 30. Let's go to verse 30. What does it say? What does it say? For I can of myself do what? I can hear you. I can of myself what? Do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Let me now read this to you from the TPT version. Let me read it to you from TPT. If you have the TPT, you can open to it. So that we look at it together. Verse 19. So Jesus said, I speak to you an eternal truth. I speak to you eternal truth. The son is unable to do anything from himself or through his own initiative. I only do the work that I see the father doing. For the son does the same work as his father. Meaning that in my, you know, the, the decisions that I take. The choices that I make, the counsel of the Father is primary. I'm telling you, there's a cry in the heart of the Father concerning God's people. And especially, many do things, many are totally independent of the Father. Independent of the Father, not connected to the Son. They're the ones taking the initiatives. They're the ones, where, oh yes, I want to do this. Oh yeah, this is the way. And a lot of times, those things are running contrary to the will of the Father. But the Son says, I can of myself do what? Nothing. So Jesus said here, I only do the work that I see the Father doing. For the Son does the same works as his Father. Not long that the Father loved the Son so much. No longer the father was working with his son so closely. No longer the son was manifesting the power of God totally without restraint. Why? Because he was doing everything according to the will of the father. Verse 20. Because the father loves his son so much, he always reveals to him everything that he's about to do. Why won't you put yourself in the position of the father? When you find a son, when you have a son doing everything that you desire for him to do, why won't you show him everything? Could this be the reason why the father has not also been showing us a lot of things or showing you a lot of things? 
You know, because you are just doing the things. Your initiative is the one in charge, not the spirit of the living God. You are just taking on and then doing it. Doing it. He said, no. The father, because the father loves his son. Why? Because the son has been doing the thing that the father desires. He said, he always reveals to him everything that he's about to do. And you will all be amazed when he shows him even greater works than what you've seen so far. 21, for just as the father has power to raise the dead, the son will also raise the dead and give life to whomever he wants. Verse number 30, nothing I do is from my own initiative. Nothing I do is from my own initiative. As I hear the judgment passed by my father, I execute those judgments. And my judgments will be perfect because I seek only to fulfill the desires of my father who sent me. I seek only to fulfill the desires of my father who sent me. In this relationship, as you build your relationship, you know, you lose your independence. As you build your relationship, you lose your independence. When you see a believer that is totally independent, that's a believer that is not working in relationship with the Father. Then what do I become? Somebody said, you become what? Interdependent. You are dependent on the counsel of the Son. You are listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit. I've told people this many times. They say, what is your opinion about this? I don't have any opinion about anything. I, my opinion is what the Father is saying about it. My opinion is what the Son is saying about it. The Son is saying about it. Praise God. And this is a way totally contrary to the world. In the world, you are trained to be independent. That means you take decisions solely on by yourself. You do things the way you want it. I remember one of us was, 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 took her child then, a little boy, maybe about three, four, they're about to kinder. And after dropping the child there, she was walking away. Then something just, she just felt, no, I think I should just peep to see what they're doing there. And she went back and, and she saw that all the children were gathered in a particular place. And her own child was just in another part of the room. And alone there, not listening to what was being said. So she went in you know, to try and tell the teacher, say, please, uh, why is my son not there? Why is my child not with the others? Why is he, is he, has he roamed away from where the others are? They say, well, uh, that's what he, he, he wants to do at that time. You know, he's, 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 that is, he, we're training them to be independent so that they can do what they want to do. And he said, no, but others have gathered here. He said, yes, but he wants to go away. Let him go away. He said, no, he went, she went and grabbed the child and then took the child to where the others were. That's the way people are trained in the world, to be independent, to make independent judgment. But it is totally counter to the way of the kingdom. In the kingdom, the king is in his domain. The king is the one directing the affairs. The king is the one leading. The one king is the one giving direction. Someone said, well, it doesn't matter. I want to go where I want to go. Then be prepared for numerous disasters. Be prepared for that. Because when the king is, don't forget this, he knows the end from where? The beginning. 
He knows where the bombs have been planted. He knows where the minefields are. He knows where some of this, and we, on our own, we, we, there's so many things we don't know regarding our future. Without divine help, you're going to take steps and then land into a big hole. Without divine help. That is why we want to put our hand in his hand, and then we allow him to lead us. Constantly reminding ourselves and reminding him that, Lord, you know I can of myself do nothing. Therefore, I'm asking you to help me. Help me in my choices. Help me with my decisions. I'm not going to just going to rush out like Russians. I'm just want to just be led by your spirit and just do things according to your direction so that you can take me to where I want to get to. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let this be settled in your heart that without him in the kingdom of God, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about, um, you know, uh, I'm not talking about, demo- that's why the kingdom of God is not democracy. Because democracy is one vote, one person. It's not like that at all. It is theocracy. It is God ruling in the affairs of his people. It's not just that, it's not that God will come and say, okay, how many people support this? One, two, three, four, five, six, and then we'll take a poll and say, well, according to the poll, uh, this is what we should do. No, 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 no. Because the people taking polls do not know what will happen tomorrow. Haven't, haven't you noticed that polls sometimes are favorable today, unfavorable tomorrow? You know, that's where they are. But the Father knows everything about everything. Amen. And I hear this in my spirit, delay is not denial. I hear this in my spirit, delay is not denial. I hear this in my spirit, don't say, my time is going. Oh, look at it, time is going. This thing cannot happen. Your time is in his hands. Your time is in his hands. God can suspend time. He was from eternity. Eternity is independent of time. And when God will move in your life, he will suspend the time. It will suspend the time. You'll be, so, you'll be so shocked and amazed. Because when the hand of God will come upon you, you will outrun every Ahab to the gates of Jezreel. And you, you, time will collapse for you. And suddenly you are ahead. You are ahead of those who have been walking in time and with time, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. Number five. This abiding relationship is the key to answered prayers. Is the key to answered prayers. Number one, I've mentioned it. Note it very, very well. Number one, the kingdom relationship, the New Testament is a covenant relationship between the Father and the Son. Our place is as we come through the Son, we become a partaker, a beneficiary of it. It's not just a covenant between you and the Father. No, you do not have the capacity to keep the covenant. You don't have it at all. Nobody can live the Christian life. Only the Son, he lived it, and only the Son can continue to live it. So when we are joined to him, he gives us the grace to live. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Number two, in the kingdom, be prepared for his pruning. He will prune you. Amen. In the kingdom is a yielding relationship to the Father. When you abide in him, he will abide in you. When you remain with him, he will remain with you. Number, five, number four, without him, you can do nothing. 
Just know that so that you are training yourself to be totally reliant on him and reliant on the Holy Spirit. Number five, our abiding relationship is the key to answer prayers. I love this. John 15, verse number seven. John chapter 15, verse number seven. What does it say? If you are there, John 16, 15, verse number seven. It reads, it says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you want. I can hear you. What you desire and it shall be done for you. That means if you abide in him. You are in relationship with him. And his words are abiding in you. What words? The word has been speaking to you. What words has it been speaking to us in this season? For thou will arise. And have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her. Yes, the said time has come. One of us shared a testimony with me on Friday. You know, she called and then she sang and sang and sang. The songs were just, I just knew that something is happening here. By the time you stop singing, she now said, oh, I want to share this with you. Dad, look at what God has done. And according to the timing of the word, they said this would take this and this and this and that. But... God did it, what they said would take weeks upon end. God did it in two days. And I said, what exactly? And they sent me and I saw it myself. They wrote a letter to her. They said, expect this thing to be at least minimum of a month. Minimum. That means it could get to six weeks, it could get to seven weeks, it could get to you know, minimum. And then that was on Wednesday. But she said she remembered the word. Did she remember the word? She said the word has been coming that he will arise. And he will have mercy upon her. That the time to favor her. Yes, the said time has come. He said, that is my word. I said, because of that, I am not receiving that. I know they've sent that to me. I'm not receiving that. In fact, I'm receiving my miracle now. I'm receiving my breakthrough now. Do you know heaven backed her up? Two days after that thing was released, it was almost unbelievable. It was almost like, what? Look at what, but that is what happens. If you abide in him and his words are abiding in you. Supposing she had said, well, they, they've written the letter. They've written, they sent a mail. They say it will take about six weeks. They say it will take about seven weeks. And they say that is just minimum. We don't know whether this thing will happen. Well, well, that is what they have said. You know, we just, uh, we just continue like that. But she remembered the word. She did not forget the word. That is why I keep on saying to you that the words you've forgotten cannot confer benefit on you. What is, the, what is the word that God gave us this year? What is the word that God gave us, you know, that God has been speaking to us? Many of us will remember the word that Channel 7 just said. Say, have you listened to Channel 7? Have you listened to Channel 10? Look, this is what they said. I'm not saying they're not saying something, but what is God saying to us? What is God saying to you? Let those words remain. Let those words remain. Let those words abide. So that when the enemy will come like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise a standard against him. Say, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. You know, another thing about this is this. When the word is abiding, you love to pray. When you don't enjoy prayer, it's because the words are not abiding. Because the words are not abiding. When the words of God are abiding, you want to pray. You want to pray. Why? Because he will share more with you. 
You want to pray. My words are abiding you. Then you will ask. Because when the words are abiding, and when you are asking, when you are receiving answers, you want more answers, you want more, you want to enjoy more of his presence and his benefit, then you go back to pray again. You go back to pray. So it's like a continuous cycle. Amen. When the words are abiding, you know, I saw that in practical demonstration with that testimony. And again, she'll be sharing a testimony this Friday. Testimonies are just abounding and abounding and abiding. And yours will be the next one in Jesus' name. I say yours will be the next testimony in Jesus' name. Say my words abide in you. Let this word abide. What else has God spoken to us concerning this year? Is our year of what? Limitless possibilities. It's a year of limitless possibilities. That's the word that God has spoken to us. You know, meditate on that word. Feed on that word. Think of that. That's the way to make the words to abide. Think on that word. Meditate on that word. That this word is, you know, limitless possibilities. Where did that come from? Maybe I need to take you to Ephesians chapter 3. We just did not pluck it off from the, off, off the tree and say, okay, everybody be saying that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20. So that those words remain with you. And you are praying those words. You are declaring those words. You are confessing those words. You are affirming those words. Hallelujah. Now to him who is able. Him who is what? Able. God is able. God is faithful. God is good. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let me read it to you from the TPT. Never doubt God's mighty power to walk in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely what? More than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly what? Energizes us. Amen. Let me read it to you also, verse 16. The same chapter, verse 16. And I pray that the Lord will unveil, he will unveil within you the unlimited riches or limitless riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. It's a year of limitless possibilities and open doors. Declare it over your life. It's my limitless possibility. You know, somebody said, but I've not experienced it. How can you, when you only remember it, when it's declared on platform like this? How can you? You can experience it. Is this the word that is declared that will be experienced? Lack of declaring the word means that you'll be denied of the word. For you shall declare a thing and to be established unto you. And light will shine upon your word. Upon your ways. So declare the word. Is the word that is there, that is abiding, that is remaining, that you are fellowshipping with, that you will experience. Number six, love is the glue that holds this relationship together. Love is the glue. Look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said in John 15, verse number. Nine from verse number nine, John fifteen from 
Verse number, as the Father loved me, I also have what? Have loved you. Abide where? In my love. We've looked at this because love is the culture of the kingdom. Abide in my love. We've seen, we've heard that love is not just feelings. Because to many people, love is a feeling. Oh, I feel loved. I feel, oh, I just want somebody to tell me I feel loved. Uh, and it's good to to feel to you know loved, but don't forget that love is bigger than that, greater than that. Love is spiritual because God is love, and God is a spirit. Love is you know feelings are feelings change. They go up today, they go down tomorrow. That is why, you know, when you're working, when your love is just based on your feelings, you can be down today, you'll be down tomorrow. You love somebody today, the person is completely off your, no, no, no. You know, but when you know that love is spiritual, when you know that this love we're talking about is agape, in spite of and despite all, that is the love that holds you glued to this relationship and holds you glued to your relationship. And what is that love? This love is patient and this love is kind. This love is not jealous, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not proud. This love does not insist on its own way. It does not rejoice in the wrong, but it rejoices in the right. This love bears all things. This love believes all things. This love hopes all things. This love does not what? Fail. It doesn't fail. It's a glue. Verse number 10. It now says, verse number 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So how does God know that you love him? By you saying to me, Lord, I love you. I'm telling you, you are everything to me. I love you. And after saying that in prayer meeting, and then you go get out. Maybe you have somebody now, something now happened. And then, ah, and you, you've totally forgotten what you've said. It's not just by what you say to him. It's by what you do. In his, you know, what you do. It's not just by what you say. It's by what you do. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, he now says what? These things are spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you, and your joy may be full. Verse number 12, he now says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Would you take me to number, number what? Number 7, that this is actually a commandment. All these things that has been given to us from when? Verse 1. Two, three, four, five, six. That these things, they are not based, they are, they, are, they are not suggestions to us. He's not saying, well, think about it and then come and, uh, come and let me know if you want to do them. He said, these things are what? Verse number, uh, go, let's go back to that verse number 13. Look at what it says there. Verse number, verse number 12, sorry. He said, this is my commandment that I command you. If you want to develop your relationship, then you must take these key things as a command from me that you love one another as I've loved you. But it's not just the loving part. It's encompassing everything. Everything that's been saying to us that if you 
hold them as his commandment to you. If they are not just suggestions, then he says that, yes, this is it. Then what will happen now? Verse number 13. What will happen? Verse 13. Greater love has no than to lay down his life for his friend. Verse 14. Now if you hold these things, then you, you are now my what? You are now my friend. Can you see how to build a relationship into friendship? You are now my friends if you do whatever I command you. 15. It now says, no longer do I call you servants. So we are ending where we started from. What does that mean? That look at, look at the process that will produce friendship, relationship that call, that's called what? Friendship with the Father. Where there's no secret between the two of you. He said, these are the things that you will do. Then I will no longer call you what? Servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you what? Friends. For all things that I had from my father have made known to you. Are you satisfied in being a servant? Are you satisfied with just being, uh, being in the kindergarten in your work with him? Are you satisfied with just being, uh, being uh, at a church attendee? Are you satisfied with just being, say, carrying the label of it? They say, who are you? Uh, I'm a Christian. And that's the end of it. Are you satisfied with that? I'm telling you, I am not. I want to experience everything that God has ordained for me. I want to really, I want to be a partaker of the full benefits of my relationship with him. I want to, that by the time I return to him, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful word, servant. Well, the son who has now been, who has served as a servant. The son who became his friend. The son who had worked with him. I would like to hear that. Hear that. That is why I am interested in developing my relationship again more, further, further, and you should too if you want to be a partaker of the thing that God has been saying to us. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you. Go ahead and thank him for the word you've heard this day. Thank him for it. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Thank him, thank him that the words you've heard, that the Lord will help you to be a doer of the word, help you to build your relationship, help you that this word will make a difference in your life, that you will not remain the same again, that the words you've heard, the reason why you've heard this word this morning is because of a relocation that's about to take place concerning you, a relocation in the spirit whereby God is taking you further, granting you greater access. And your access, many times people are concerned about provision, forgetting the fact that it is vision that produces what? Provision. Without vision, without working with him, without access, without this work with him, so a lot of the provision you desire, you'll be denied of. The enemy will steal them from you. But Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray for everyone that will listen to this message after today, especially those in other regions of the world. That in the name of Jesus Christ, help the grace to build, the grace to walk, the grace to develop the relationship, come and grant unto everyone. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord, we thank you.
We give you all the glory, honor, and adoration, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, 